afternoon. It is the turning point of the sports world. Turning points. I'm Jake Turner. Two hours of simply outstanding sports conversation. Takes won't find anywhere else except right here in the turning point of the sports world. What a wild, insane, nutty, crazy, whatever else action verb you could think of. That was what the NFL Divisional Weekend was. It's in the books. The championships have been set. Can't believe I'm saying this right now. But do you like classic TV shows? I like classic TV shows. Okay, you know, everybody goes out there, and I've talked to a lot of baby boomers and millennials even, that have really fallen in love with shows like The Bob Newhart Show or Happy Days, Fresh Prince, Living Single, In Living Color. There's, of course, you know, Cheers. Uh, There's... I mean, some people even like Murphy Brown. But, you know, one of the shows that really make me think of the NFL as a whole has been the Twilight Zone. We are living right now in the Twilight Zone of sports because what this NFL season has brought us has been completely in bizarre world. It has been completely through. You know that beginning of the, the show where you're in space and Rod Serling's doing the voiceover and then he opens up the door and th- there it is you know you're in the twilight zone Ta-da! and that's what we are in right now because nobody ever thought back in week one of the nfl season that we were going to be saying the philadelphia eagles and the minnesota vikings are going to be in the championship market okay i didn't think the eagles were going to get this far i didn't think the vikings were going to get this far you know the vikings have been one of the most talked about stories i mean they've been a very likable very, very enthusiastic football team that has pretty much a team of castoffs on it. And we'll get to that in a second. I want to start with the Philadelphia Eagles, though, because this one is just, uh, this blew my mind. All right, so the Philadelphia Eagles are playing the Atlanta Falcons. And let's let's give hats off right now to Dan Quinn, because I think he did a very underrated job at head coach this year. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian, I don't buy as an offensive coordinator. I thought some of the play calling he did was really mediocre and playing not to lose the game. I, I thought it was really poor. And I want to doubt if Sarkeesian is gone. Because it clearly shows that a college football coordinator does not belong in the NFL sometimes. He just he doesn't. And everywhere Steve Sarkeesian has gone, it's been mediocrity. Let's be honest. Mediocrity. I mean, if it wasn't for that one good year with Nick Saban, which I might add, Steve Sarkeesian was the offensive coordinator for that just think about that for a moment but the Philadelphia Eagles won this game 15 to 10 plain and simple I mean the Atlanta Falcons had their chances but it came down to this okay so we're we're used to the meltdowns we're we're used to it you know Philadelphia Eagles they blow it they blow it all the time I mean come on with Andy Reid they had five straight NFC championship appearances a couple at home watch Tampa Bay come into 20 degree weather and beat down the Eagles, I might add, and Donna McNabb and back in the day. But, I mean, so it's fourth and goal, and the Falcons are in the red zone. They're right there. All it takes down is just one play, one last play. And then there's Julio Jones, right side of the end zone. Ryan lets go of the football, and suddenly a big hand comes in right into the helmet of Julio Jones and smacks the ball down. It's Jalen Mills. Eagles win. Time expires. Eagles go to the NFC Championship with second-year coach Doug Peterson. And Nick Foles wasn't spectacular, but he was fine. 23 for 30, 246 yards, 100.5 QB rating. That's excellent. But the rushing was a question mark. But it also gives hats off to the Falcons again. That defense was good. 
And that defense will be back. And they're young. And they're hungry. And they're nasty. I mean, they held the Eagles rushing to 96 yards overall. 96. Think about that. And then, you know, the Eagles defense was spectacular. I mean, Jim Schwartz. Go for it, man. I mean, seriously. I really love the way the, the Eagles are built right now. And the Falcons, they'll be back. They'll be back, hopefully, with the new offensive coordinator. So that was a great game. I mean, it was kind of boring in the third quarter, but then the fourth quarter came in. Man, this thing was just firing on all cylinders. Boom, 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 boom. And then, of course, we go to the Titans. And I never thought the Titans were going to win this game. I didn't think this was like, you know, Gridiron Gang or Remember the Titans or anything like this or the replacements, you know. It, this, no. It's just, no. Stop. Stop. Mike Malarkey is not... It's not Gene Hackman in the movie. It's Keanu Reeves is not Marcus Mariota. Just stop the nonsense. 35 to 14. Easy peasy, right? For the New England Patriots. Tom Brady, 35 for 53, 337 yards, three touchdowns, spectacular as usual. And what I really love about the Patriots is that this is what we're used to. You know, Danny Amendola, 11 receptions, a buck 12. James White, two touchdowns, one run, one pass. And then Brandon Bolden got a touchdown. I mean, these are three guys that haven't been really the, the big factor for the Patriots this season. But this is what they do. This is why Josh McDaniels and defensive coordinator Matt Patricia are going to get head coaching jobs. Because this Patriots machine, it's just like clockwork. Seriously, it's just like clockwork. So, I mean, it, it's easy for that to happen here. But nobody thought this was going to happen. I mean, we talk about one curse being like, chipped away a little bit. With the Philadelphia Eagles, the Minnesota Vikings, wow, what a game that was. The Vikings, I mean, it was all spread out there. It was all spread out there. 1998 NFC Championship game. They blow it. New York Giants, NFC Championship game. They get destroyed in New York. 2009, they go to New Orleans. Brett Favre is the quarterback with the with the Vikings. Picks it off. Tracy Porter, Greg Williams, defense. Absolutely just mauls Brett Favre into retirement. And then this comes, and then of course, you know, the 10 to 7 game against Seattle. And now we come to this. The Vikings were up 17 to nothing. Now, this is interesting because according to to the Vikings history, when it comes to playoff leads, the highest they have ever been up by was 14. They're up by 17. This game is done. They got the best defense in the NFL, one of the best coaches in football. They got it all done, right? Wrong. Saints come back, and they make just a nightmare in the making. Another one. Another meltdown for the Vikings. Au contraire. There was 10 seconds left. Now, this is after Will Lutz just smacked a field goal right through the uprights. It was gorgeous. 43 yards out. Beautiful. Good. And it's 24 to 23. 10 seconds left. Case Keenum, and this is what the play call was called. Did you guys hear about this? This is what Pat Shermer calls this play. It's called Seven Heaven. Keenum looks back, fades off, runs and throws the ball to the right sideline. There's Stefan Diggs. There's Marshawn Lattimore. There's Marcus Williams. Marcus Williams, what are you doing? I don't care if you're a rookie. You don't go head first like a bull and look like a Looney Tunes cartoon. The Looney Tunes cartoon I'm talking about is the one where Bugs Bunny, you know, is fighting against the bull and he has an anvil waiting there. And 
Marcus Williams was the bull, and Stefan Diggs was Bugs Bunny. And off Stefan Diggs went, never touched the sideline, 61 yards, Vikings win. As Paul Allen called it, the Minneapolis miracle. I want to play a little clip here. This was the Vikings radio network. This is why Paul Allen has been the has been the play-by-play announcer for 16 years. Here, here we go. This is Paul Allen. Ten seconds left in the Vikings game. Three receivers right, field and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. 30. No way. the best he's a homer he's already said he's a homer he talks like a homer that's who he is but man alive that was that was an incredible finish you know I, i've talked to packer fans and my fan my family is packer fans they were sick to their stomach uh some viking fans texted me yesterday they were like hey, what'd you think about that game there packer boy it's like well you forget about this i may be a packer fan but i'm also unbiased that's why this is the turning point of the sports world this is where bias is gone. This is between the lines, outside the lines. And the one thing is, is that it was annoyingly amazing because the Vikings should have lost that game. Now, I know nobody wants to say it, but they should have. But just like the Philadelphia Eagles, the Vikings went into their own little book of curses and started chipping away at that glass, trying to break the glass, take that book of curses and burn it. Take a lighter and just burn the book. That's what they were trying to do right now. They're just chipping away at that glass right now. They got past the lasers. They're just chipping away. Because now next week, we are going to see which curse could possibly be broken in the NFL. Minnesota going to at Philly. It's not going to be cold. It's going to be mild. The Vikings know the story. They're one of the worst road teams in NFL history. We get it. But they have a chance. And so does Doug Peterson. And this is going to be one heck of a game. I can't wait. I can't wait. Seriously, if you're not really like counting down the days right now, today's Monday. It's Martin Luther King Jr. Day. If you're not counting down the days right now to Sunday, boy, you're not a sports fan. Because this is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. And in my opinion, I, I, I got to go with New England in Minnesota. I'm going to get to Jacksonville here in a minute. But New England at Minnesota would be just, and I say at Minnesota because that's where Super Bowl 52 is. It's in Minnesota. They're hosting it. And this would be the first time, and you think I'm lying, the first time in NFL history that a home team would be in their stadium in the Super Bowl. I mean, the Twilight Zone theme just says it itself. I mean, come on, we're, we're used to this as football fans. It's, you know, Eagles, Vikings, oh, they're going to blow it in the playoffs. This is what they do. They do it all the time. Not this time. Not this time. I'm just saying. Now we come to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oy. You know, Mike Tomlin reminds me so much of Andy Reid when it comes to judging play call and uh, – Trying to make those calls in the last two minutes of the game in the playoffs. 
Now, they're not the same person. I'm going to just tell you that right now. I think Mike Tomlin is a far better football coach than Andy Reid. That's how I look at it. But the judgment calls, wow, they're right there, right smack there. Jacksonville wins this one 45 to 42. Now, here's something interesting that got to me. There's two minutes and 18 seconds left in this game. Two minutes, two, t- two timeouts left. And I saw, and CBS Sports did an amazing job on this. They took a nice shot of the special teams coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was right there and he's screaming and yelling and he's telling Boswell, here, man, get, get this kick, get this kick. And I'm sitting there on my couch and I'm like, wait a minute, what, what are they doing? What are you doing? What? No, 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 no. Don't do this. No, 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 no. Don't do this. And of course, they did it. Boswell, worst onside kick I've ever seen in a playoff. Jaguars get it back. They move down the field, kick the game, get the field goal, and make it a 10 point game 45 to 35. And all Mike Tomlin could do is just grunt, shake his head, and look down at the ground, going, I'm just about to lose to Blake Bortles. What did I do wrong? That, that's where you just sit there and you're like, Mike, what are you doing? Now, I'm not saying fire the guy. No, no, no. What I'm saying, though, is you do need to keep your locker room in check here. I got Le'Veon Bell a couple days ago whining about his contract. And then there was a report that came out yesterday. I don't know if it's going to be true or not, but you know, Le'Veon Bell is, is going to be franchise tagged by the Steelers. You know, Le'Veon Bell is a great football player. Okay, I, bar none. The guy is selfish as ever. I mean, why would you even say that? Mike Mitchell, man, shut up. Shut up. Mike Mitchell, my God. How many moronic, brain-dead soundbites are you going to pull off? Seriously, you're going to break the record. You're whining and complain about... You know, the way that the NFL is with their aggressiveness in hitting now on defense. And now this. And you don't even bring up the Jacksonville Jaguars. What did you think the Jags were going to do? Jags would be like, oh, yeah, here you go. We're, we're not we're not important. We're not big to you guys. Just take it. And then they forget, all right, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. One of the best guys in the front office with Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell. Then they got Doug Marone, those Oakleys on, flashing that thug life right there. I mean, that was just true. That was just a true mastery right there by Doug Marone. Because I nobody ever thought the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to score 45 points. Blake Bortles' numbers are not spectacular, but they're good enough. Tw- uh, 14 for 26, 214 yards, and a touchdown. He had the best throw, though, of the of the the weekend. And that was that bond to Keelan Cole. And I know you want to talk about Ben Roethlisberger throwing that spectacular pass to Martavius Bryant to Antonio Brown, but I'm looking at the one by a winning team that had the throw of the day. Okay. Cause I'm going to tell you this right now, Stefan Diggs, the case Keenum to Stefan Diggs was not a great throw. It was a spectacular play by Stefan Diggs because Keenum just threw it up. He was just like, Phew! and then there's Diggs right there grabbing it. But Blake Bortles sets back, great blocking by the offensive line, five-step drop, sets up, and just fires it down the field, right side of the field, caught by Keelan Cole. His first 
and one and only catch of the day. And they win it 45 to 42. I mean, you couldn't write it any better. But now you got like all these reports, and this is what I'm talking about. You know, some soap operas nowadays, they're kind of to the side. Okay, unless you're like prime time, you know, with like Riverdale and, you know, the OC used to be. But daytime talks, uh, daytime soap operas are like a thing of the past right now. You only got like one left, pretty much. And with that, some soap operas just have to come to an end. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have to end this soap opera. Whenever they got to do with Le'Veon Bell and Martavius Bryant, they, I mean, my goodness. You know, Ben Roethlisberger looks like he doesn't even want to be out there anymore sometimes. I mean, his numbers are outstanding. 37 for 58, 469 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. Uh, look at this. I mean, 469 yards? Are you are you kidding me? 469 yards and they lost? 545 yards for the offense and they lost? Boy. If it's not going to be Mike Tomlin that's going to be fired, I think Keith Butler might need to be shown the door, defensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because, plain and simple, you screwed up, man. You screwed up. You, you gave up 45 points. You were down 14 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. You were down 28 to 14 at halftime. You never got the lead. All you did was play catch-up. And here's the funny fact here. The Pittsburgh Steelers... They, lost, they would have lost the championship right there. Right when the Jacksonville Jaguars took that 14 to nothing lead at the end of the first quarter, the Pittsburgh Steelers lost the AFC championship to the New England Patriots. You know why? Because now they were going to be gassed and tired and overdone, and they were not going to go into New England and win that game. That defense is terrible. And, then, you know, the saddest thing about that defense is they got playmakers. They got leaders. But they don't have the guy because I can't believe nobody is blaming him. Why is Keith Butler getting pushed to the side? Oh, it's all Mike Tomlin's fault. No, 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 no. Mike Tomlin's not the one calling the defensive plays. Keith Butler is the one calling the defensive plays. I know because he has that stupid play sheet in his hand. I'm just saying. All right, we're going to jump more into the divisional playoff as we go along here. We're going to get my Super Bowl prediction. And I'm going to tell you why. All four teams, they have an opportunity. I mean, I don't think any game, I don't think any game is going to be a blowout. I think these are going to be two tough, nasty, physical football games. And right now, if you're Roger Goodell, you got to be sitting back going, whew, fans are getting what they want right now. And I could sit back, oh, wait, but there's something wrong with the NFL still. And we'll get into that. Also, I'm going to tell you why. The best basketball player in the NBA reminds me of a certain movie franchise that's trying to be rebooted. That's all coming up next year on the Turning Point of the Sports World. Turning Points on Audio Boom. You know, just yesterday, Mike Malarkey looked like he was going to get a contract extension. Uh, That was uh, coming from... Uh, Ian Rappaport of NFL Media yesterday, and then today, this just came through the wire here, the Titans have fired Mike Malarkey. I mean, it was simple. You ever watch Titans football this year? It was boring. It was uninspired. It was bad. It was bad. Mike Malarkey had to go. He's a good offensive coordinator, but as a head coach, oh my goodness. 
he's just too boring. Too boring, and it's just it's not going to work enough for him. So we'll so that's the end of what the Titans there. We're back here on Turning Points, the turning point of the sports world. I'm Jake Turner. Just going through this unbelievable, wild, divisional playoff. But I'm going to tell you why the NFL, there's still problems that need to be fixed here. But it's good that they get this little hiatus away from fixing those problems with this unbelievable weekend that we had, which was the divisional playoff. So the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings will be uh, showcasing their talents at Philadelphia next Sunday. And that'll be at 5.40 p.m. uh, Central Time. And then, of course, we got the AFC Championship, the Jacksonville Jaguars at the New England Patriots. Saxonville comes northeast. That is going to be a fun game. And I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't think I don't think there's going to be a blowout. I saw the Vegas odds. I know that the Patriots are nine are nine point favorites. What a hunk of junk. Give me a break. You do realize that over the weekend that because of the Vikings winning that game and actually and actually taking a knee on that extra point, a lot of people got rich and a lot of people got poor. In that, when Stefan Diggs was running to the end zone on that 69-yard touchdown, Vegas just switched out a billion dollars. They were switching hands. Switching hands. A billion dollars was switching hands. And it went to the winners who took the Vikings, took the points, or went against the points. Or A friend of mine, you know, he took Jacksonville to win this weekend, and he doubled his money. Congrats to him. <laughs> but if you really think that, I mean, Minnesota's three-point favorite right now, I, I, I can't see it. I think these are going to be two nasty, I mean, these are ice tubs early kind of football games. Because you have... Three top-tier defenses, and you got the Patriots offense. But you have a makeshift defense that does an excellent job containing what Matt Patricia calls out for the Patriots. <laughs> so this is going to be a spectacular weekend. I mean, it is. Also, throughout the show here, we're going to get into why I think the best basketball player in the NBA reminds me of a certain movie franchise. Uh, we'll jump into the inaneness of college football all-star games. What what in the world is going on there? And, of course, I'm also a film critic in training. So I got my top 10 worst movies of 2017 that I'm going to wrap up for you here as well here on Turning Points. But I want to jump into the championship preview. It's coming up here. Philadelphia and Minnesota. Like I said, Cracking at the case, cases to break the, in, break those glass and get those book of curses out of there. And go through those playoff meltdowns, take a lighter to it, and burn it. Because one Super Bowl win, one Super Bowl win will crack that and will burn that entire book. Because all it takes is one Super Bowl. It takes one Super Bowl. Ask the New Orleans Saints of 2009 how they're feeling right now. They're not a cursed franchise anymore. No, no. They got their Super Bowl ring. Drew Brees has a Super Bowl ring. Even though Sean Payton. Sean Payton here for a second. You know, I'm going to start calling him the gambler. Because, you know, when I was thinking about the Vegas odds for these games, I thought about gambling here for a minute. I'm not a gambler. I, I'm, I'm just not. Okay, I'm, I'm just one of those guys that just, I refuse to gamble. It's just not worth it. Maybe I might go every now and then, maybe put a 
they put a point spread on somebody, but otherwise I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of gambling. I'm just not, but I know that Sean Payton is because I got a new nickname for him. The gambler, the gambler was a nickname that was brought by the great Kenny Rogers, you know, because, and, you know, he had that franchise, that Western franchise. That was good stuff on TV. But I mean, he, <laughs> he took, he got rid of two challenges, left one timeout left. And they were inane challenges. They were awful challenges. Like the one that Jerry is right where he was like saying, that's not a catch. It's like, it looks like a catch. It feels like a catch. It must be a catch. And it was a catch. Duh. (laughs) But I mean, and then he goes and does another challenge. And I'm like, you're going to lose this one too. And of course he did. Which, I mean, it's just like, okay, so you just gave up two timeouts there. And then... And then you got to kill some time off that clock, you know, on the Vikings here. And instead you pass the ball. What are you doing? And then you run the ball on third down and then you go whoop, timeout. You burn your final timeout. But what could have happened if they would have had those two timeouts left? What could have been? What could have been? Because when the Saints run out of timeouts, and I'm just playing devil's advocate here for a second. I'm sorry, Viking fans, but I just got to say this. But if Sean Payton would have taken a timeout with 10 seconds left, I think the outcome would have been different. But I digress. I digress with that. And Sean Payton, you're going to have to live with this one for a while. In fact, he, he told the media uh, yesterday, oh, this one's going to be around for a while. <laughs> you think? You think? Because this is an absolute classic. This is this is like right up there with the wild card playoff between the Packers and the Cardinals. You know, when Mike McCarthy fell to his knees, this is going to be the Packers-Cardinals in the divisional playoff, and Aaron Rodgers threw a last-minute gasp to Jeff Janis, made the catch. Larry Fitzgerald goes down the field, touchdown, wins the game on that little, uh, little, little option there by Carson Palmer. I mean, it was just a little toss that won the game for them. I mean, that was a classic. Simple. It's a classic. Everybody now will always believe in the Minnesota miracle, or as Paul Allen said for WFAN in Minneapolis, the Minneapolis miracle. And the funny thing is with that also is I did a little digging on this, and I found out that the last time that the Minnesota sports faithful celebrated a walk-off was the 1991 World Series Kirby Puckett Game 6. Bam! Twins win home run and the twins win the world series as well the day later this is awesome just think about uh but with that nobody's ever going to forget this game now if the vikings lose to the eagles then well viking fans are just like well here we go again because like i said there are two teams out there right now book of curses is right there just chip away at that glass just really close one of those teams by february 3rd at the end of the night, could be taking that book of curses, having a big party, and the owner of either team could have that book of curses right there and just burn the thing. Could happen. It could happen. But I didn't expect Minnesota-Philadelphia being in the championship. I mean, this is awesome. Actually, this is pretty awesome because these two defenses, they're going to go all out on these two. I mean, this is going to be Nasty. This is going to be like a 17 to 13 game. If you're looking for high scoring games, you're not going to get it. But if you love defensive battles like yours truly here on Turning Points, the turning point of the sports world here on Audio Boom, then you got something here. Then you got something. 
And then you got Jacksonville. I'm not buying that nine-point favorite for anything. Because Doug Marone has really proven he is a hell of a football coach. Holy mackerel. And you know something? You beat Pittsburgh, and now you're going into the den of the Patriots. You're going into the patriotism of the National Football League. The muskets are going to be ready. The cannons are going to be ready for touchdowns. And you're going to try and play spoiler? I've seen crazier things happen. My question, though, is, and you could tweet this too, at Jake Turner Sport if you'd like to. Actually, please do that right now. Question of the day. Question of the day here on Audio Boom, on Turning Points, is, are you excited right now for this Super Bowl? Tweet your responses to at Jake Turner Sport. Are you excited for this potential Super Bowl? Because here are the four quarterbacks we have left. We have Case Keenum for the Minnesota Vikings. Blake Bortles for the Jacksonville Jaguars. We have Nick Foles for the Philadelphia Eagles. And then we got, our course, had the GOAT, Tom Brady. Now everybody would think right there, oh, Tom Brady's going to win it. I mean, this is easy, Jake. But you know the funny thing is, is that so many different scenarios can happen here. Because... Let's start off here with the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, the Philadelphia Eagles haven't won an NFL championship as a whole. Back before the Super Bowl was even made, 1960. That's when they beat the Green Bay Packers 12-10. to Okay, so that was the last time the Philadelphia Eagles. The Vikings, last time they got to the Super Bowl was Super Bowl eleven, And they got killed, 32-14. to But now let's think about this. So let's go down the line here. The Vikings, if they won... If they won this game, went to the Super Bowl and lost, guess what? They would be the biggest Super Bowl loser in NFL history. They would have five Super Bowl losses. No one has more Super Bowl losses than four right now. And that is tied between the Buffalo Bills in the 90s and the Minnesota Vikings. Can't make it up if you tried, folks. You can't make it up if you tried. But then... With that, now let's go to Philadelphia. Philadelphia has been to two Super Bowls, lost them both. If they beat Minnesota, go against New England, and lose, they've lost three Super Bowls. And that's tied with the Broncos. Well, excuse me, the Broncos have lost four. But with that, the... So, I mean, it, it's not really like the end of the world. But, man, if you're a Vikings fan and you're just sitting there and you're like... I Super losses. Well, okay. But it, I mean, but let's be honest. I'm just speculating here. Now go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville has never been to the Super Bowl. And they have done this before. They have gotten to the AFC Championship before, but lost to Denver. Now they don't have Denver. Now they got New England. Now if you're at Jacksonville, you're sitting there, you're like, man, it took us to go against John Elway. Now we got to go against Tom Brady. Oh my goodness. But this is a great opportunity for Jacksonville because this is their best defense in years. They've done a miraculous job of free agency signings. they built up such a culture right there. And Tom Coughlin in the front office with Dave Caldwell and head coach Doug Marone, they've done such great work. But at Jacksonville, let, let's think about this. If Jacksonville got to the Super Bowl, there would only be two teams left in the NFL that have never been to a Super Bowl. 
and this is post-NFL championship, the Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns. Jacksonville would be off that mat. They'd be there finally. Hey, we're here. Are we going to win? I don't know. And then, of course, New England. And and we know this story. You know, two Super Bowl losses, but five Super Bowl wins. I'll tell you this right now. If you're a you're a Steelers fan right now, you just got to be just fuming. Because if the New England Patriots go to the Super Bowl and they win, Tom Brady will have six Super Bowl rings. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, there will not be any more 1A, 1B debate or anything like that. Tom Brady will be the GOAT forever. Until somebody can come up to me and go, I won six Super Bowls. Well, come on in. We got this beautiful club here just for one. He's up there, right in the raft, right up there. Uh, he's sitting in the crown. He has the crown on, everything. It's like Netflix's show, the, cr- the Crown. And Tom Brady is pretty much that character. And anybody that says that Tom Brady is not the GOAT, you're, you're dreaming. You're absolutely dreaming right now. That's a good show, though, The Crown. Anybody seen The Crown? That's a good show. That's, that's really good. I mean, I've never seen a show where every single episode Every last 10 minutes of the episode, something big happens. It also shows how rich the history is in the Queen Elizabeth saga. The second I might add. Great show. If you don't get a chance here. Don't forget, we'll have our worst movies of 2017 coming up here pretty quick. And then, of course, I'm going to tell you why. Because you've been asking for it. You've been tweeting me about it. What movie franchise are you talking about, Jake? Here, We're going to get into that next. I'm going to tell you why. The best basketball player... And the NBA makes me think of a certain franchise they're trying to reboot. That's all coming up next here on the Turning Point of the Sports World. Turning Points with myself, Jake Turner, right here on Audio Boom. So this just came through the wire, and I, I can't believe this is actually a story, but it is. But it turns out during the Science Vikings game, that the biggest craze right now in pretty much in consumer in consumer buying is the Apple Watches. My father has an Apple Watch. I got friends that have Apple Watches. Even my one of my uh, uncles has it as well. So I know what the craze is with it. I just think of the communicator from that TV show when I was a child, uh, Power Rangers. I just think about that. But Apple Watches came out and said that thought fans thought during the Saints Vikings game when they were watching the game they were having heart attacks <laughs> oh my goodness that that had to be an interesting evening this is sitting over here in Apple eh, just chilling out all right hey, whoa whoa what's going on in Minneapolis hey guys we got to get those ambulances out there right now what are you gonna do Apple I don't think Apple has their own ambulances so yeah Apple watches they thought fans were having heart attacks. So that's reported by CBS Sports. So. <laughs> and then uh, Mike Malarkey, uh, reason why he got fired, uh, according to Ian Rappaport, to his refusal to make staff changes uh, factored into his firing. That's from Ian Rappaport. Martavius Bryant wants to stay in Pittsburgh. I, I just, I, go, just go. If you got to break up the soap opera, maybe you just got to do some recasting. Speaking about some recasting. This is interesting to me. 
because one of my favorite movies of all time is Lethal Weapon. And I thought that in 1998, after they said goodbye, scrapbook, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Richard Donner, see you later. Okay, we're done. Goodbye. Shut it down. There was a report that came out in December that Lethal Weapon 5 is currently in talks of being greenlit. Okay. So, here's the problem. I love the Lethal Weapon movies. Even before this podcast, I watched all four of them. I watched all four of them. And and they're just so good. They're so good. But there's flaws. There's flaws, of course. But I mean, a Lethal Weapon 5... Are we really, is America really asking for that? No, I saw the TV show and I thought it was fine. I think it's good stuff. I mean, it's a good B, B show. I mean, I like Damon Wayans as Murtaugh. I like Clayne Crawford as Griggs. And I, I, it's not a disrespect or anything like that, which is nice. It's actually nice to see that a, a TV show inspired by a movie is actually good. You know, just like Friday Night Lights was. But I'm, I will seriously lose my mind, though. If they put out a Lethal Weapon 5. Speaking about that, we'll have our worst films of 2017 on Turning Points, the turning point of the sports world. You can tweet me at, at Jake Turner Sports, or you can hit me up on Facebook.com slash Mr. Turner Sports and like my page. So Lethal Weapon 5 right now is in talks of being greenlit. I think this is a joke. Okay, first off, Mel Gibson is 61. He's 61 years old. Danny Glover is 71. And director Richard Donner is 87. And you know, Richard Donner is talking about how he wants to bring the band back together and all this stuff. And this is kind of interesting because back in November, they had the 30th anniversary celebration of the original back in 1987. Now, Gibson was 31 in that film, 41 for Glover. Now, at the end of Lethal Weapon 4, when they say goodbye, it's all over, time for Murtaugh and Riggs to go off into the, right off into the sunset. Danny Glover is 52, and Mel Gibson is 42. Okay? You can't make this happen. You can't let this happen. You can't. It's not, it's not going to be the same, and I don't care if you got great screenwriters and we're going to be like, we're going to make this the next speed. No, 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 no. Because this is, this is exactly why I have a problem with Hollywood. You know, you just keep recycling products and properties over and over again. And, I mean, all I can think of right now, and this is, and I'm going to tell you right now, first off, this is not a slight on LeBron James. This is not a slight on him at all. I think he is a top 10 basketball player of all time. I think he's the best basketball player in the NBA. But his cast of characters made me think of the Lethal Weapon franchise. His championship runs. It started in 2012. He got his first championship. I know he's been in the finals with that joke of a cast that he had with the Cavaliers. I know that. But this is when he was with the Heat. And he takes down the Thunder. He wins that one. That reminded me of the original, Lethal Weapon. That was when we we were introduced to Riggs and Murtaugh. And we had this amazing chemistry. And we saw that with the Heat. We were like, man, this chemistry is amazing between him and Dwayne Wade and Eric Spolster is coaching his ass off and everything looks good. And then Lethal Weapon 2 comes out in 1989. Riggs and Murtaugh, they're established. They bring in Joe Pesci. 
and they make it even funnier and more action-packed and a spectacular villain and all this stuff and great lines at the end of the movie. And that's what happened with the Heat. Lethal Weapon 2, 2013, was when LeBron James beat the Spurs with the Heat, and the Heat were established at that point. It was great. But then 1992 comes along, and Lethal Weapon 3 is made. And it's the worst one of the franchise. Now, if I had to grade them, in my opinion, two A's for Lethal Weapon, a B for Lethal Weapon 3, and then an A- minus for Lethal Weapon 4. That's how I look at it. But 3 was the worst one, because they let Shane Black, Shane Black, the screenwriter, leave. They bring in all of these screenwriters, just like three of them, in on this script. And it's terrible. I mean, the villain is a joke. He's like a cartoon villain. And they have all these plots about gun control and Murtaugh killing his son's best friend because he's carrying a gun. And it's, and then, you know, you got the, the armor-piercing bullets. And, oh, my goodness, this thing was just a mess. However, it was saved by great chemistry and spectacular action. But it also felt like it was time to say goodbye to the Lethal Weapon franchise. Because in 2014, that's when LeBron James lost to the Spurs, when he was with the Heat. Now Lethal Weapon 4 comes out six years later. And we're kind of edgy on it. We're like, oh, I don't know about this. you know. And then 2014, LeBron goes back to Cleveland. A couple years later, bam! Get their first NBA championship in Cleveland Cavalier history. In Cleveland sports history, I might add. And Lethal Weapon 4 was a blast because you had Riggs and Murtaugh at it again. You bring in Chris Rock. You bring in Joe Pesci one more time. Nate Russo's involved. You got Chet Lee as the villain. And you're just like, yes, this is a return to form. This is the goodbye I wanted from this. And I got a terrific sequel out of it. And I got these amazing action sequences and everything. And that's what we got with this spectacular seven-game series with the Golden State Warriors. And that was it. Right there. Done. Call it. Time of death. Lethal Weapon franchise is over with. And here's what I'm going to say about LeBron James and Cleveland. I don't know if he's going to return. I don't know if he's going to L.A. I don't know this right now, okay? I'm just, I'm just saying. Right now, we're in the midst of the season right now. But his cast of characters is not the same. And if they put out Lethal Weapon 5, you're not going to get that cast back. Yeah, you'll have the chemistry with Gibson and Glover, but they're old. They're old. Come on. I mean, we're going to see more stunt doubles than ever. I mean, we saw there was tons of stunt doubles in the Lethal Weapon movies as a whole. What do you think? They're going to have like five apiece. One for Glover walking, one for Glover running, one for Glover kissing, what, whatever. See what breaks. He's going to jump off from an elevator and they're going to put another stunt double there. Then they're going to put another stunt double there that has to hang on to the elevator or something like that. I'm just spitballing here. But look at this cast for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And, you know, they talk about the, the Cavaliers need to go get another free agent. What, another one? What, another? Maybe you just need to come to the conclusion you don't have the right cast. You pretty much recast the entire roster and you bring in Isaiah Thomas, who finally came in. He's looking fine. But J.R. Smith is all over the place, as usual. Tristan Thompson's not even a starter anymore. You got Jay Crowder coming in, and he's he's fine. He's a Leno. It's... I mean, Jeff Green, yeah, we know how good he can be, but he's not a leader. 
and Derrick Rose, who is pretty much made of glass. And then you got LeBron James. But wait, where's Kyrie Irving? Where's that chemistry with Kyrie Irving? Because that's what made it work. The chemistry with Kyrie Irving and LeBron James was perfect. It was just like LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. But now you don't have that. And that's what I'm trying to say right now. You could try and bring in another free agent if you want to. But LeBron James can't win this thing alone. And I know how good Isaiah Thomas can be. But he's not Kyrie Irving. He's just not. And I mean, you need a number two. You need a good cast member. I mean, this is like if, if Mel Gibson and Danny Glover were recasted and they brought in Mark Wahlberg and uh, Idris Erba or something like that. And that was Lethal Weapon. I mean, you, you, you just can't. You can't right now. And that's what it makes me think of. It, LeBron James is pretty much like the Lethal Weapon franchise for sports. Unless they bring in a, a good cast to help out LeBron James, there's no way they're going to get past the Warriors. No way. And Tyron Lue is Richard Donner. Richard Donner is 87 years old. He just got put in, he just got honored at the Oscars, uh, Oscar celebration back in June. And Mel Gibson was there and Danny Glover was there and they were thanking him and, oh, thank you so much for everything you did for our career and everything like that. They're pretty much telling you it's over. We don't need another one. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it's over for LeBron James. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying, though, is, is that you need to give him a cast member that works well with him, just like Kyrie Irving, just like Dwayne Wade did. You have to have that cast member, and they don't have it right now. And that's why they're losing, and that's why they're struggling, and that's why on Friday night, they came, They blew it against the Pacers. And that's why they got blasted right out of Toronto, 122-99. to 99. That's why they're struggling. And now the Warriors are coming in tonight. Yeah, God be with you. But I'm begging you, please. I mean, if you're going to give LeBron James another opportunity at this, you've got to bring in a cast member that actually works with him and has good chemistry with him. Otherwise, they're not going to beat the Warriors. There's no way they're going to beat the Warriors. They might not even beat the Celtics. Or the Raptors right now. Now things can change. Things can change. But as a movie fan, I really do hope that this is just a rumor, and I really do hope that Lethal Weapon Five is not made. I, I, I can't. I can't. I can't go see seventy-one-year-old Danny Glover and sixty-one-year-old Mel Gibson. I just can't. It's not the same anymore. That's the thing. And that's why I can't stand it when Hollywood does this nonsense. But, I mean, this is pretty much what LeBron is right now. He's a Lethal Weapon franchise. If you're going to reboot it, do it right. Do it right. All right. So on that note here, coming up, we're going to jump out of sports here for a little bit. We're going to jump into this because I've been waiting to do this because a lot of people have been asking me, hey, Jake, where's this list? Well, I don't have my best movies list because I haven't seen everything I've wanted to, but I do have my worst movie list, and that's coming up next here on the Turning Point of the Sports World. Turning Points on Audio Boom.